Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today, we actually are high school classmates. He's a women's wear design director in the international fashion industry, Mr. William Tazewell III. Thank you for joining me. Hey, James, how are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, it's, it's, it's good to always catch up with my classmates and, you know, so much time has gone by and like I see you, I see you here and there on the internet, not a lot, but here and there. And I see you out here doing big th things. So I'm honored to get you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. From D.C., Maryland to you know, everywhere. <laughs> and then we circumvent back to a podcast. <laughs> 25 years later. <laughs> Is it I'm 25 like, years? No, it's like 22 nah, years. Later. Nah, bro, don't do that. 20, Look, 22 years later. 20, yeah, 22. Yep. You didn't go to the 20 year reunion, right? I haven't been to the 10 or 20 year. The 10 year reunion, I was living in China. And the 20 year, I think I was on a business trip in China. So I wasn't able both times because of work, but I followed via social media, both of them. I hopefully will be at the 30 area. Hopefully. Hopefully life has slowed down a little bit, but you know, I, I can be there for that one. Well, I mean, that, that could be a good and bad thing. I mean, <laughs> when life is moving, that means you, you have some success. So you, yeah. it, it goes both ways. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm going to actually start with high school because if I remember right, wasn't you, you voted best dressed? <laughs> I think I was best dressed and there was another one, but I forget. I, it was, there were two categories, but yeah, that was one of them. I wanted to, I wanted to just talk about, first I wanted to start with your high school fashion. Like, I just remember like, you know, we was, you know, we was teenagers, but you always, like, you was always dressed like to a T, more like business casual. Most of us was wearing like jeans, t-shirts, like urban wear. You was always like dressed to the T, business casual. Like, what influenced you to do that? Um, I don't know because it's, you know, it's different. Having a personal interest in fashion and dressing well is completely different from you know, who I am as a designer. So I think that that's probably just something that was instilled in me by the women in my family. Well, not even just the women, but my, my uncles also. So pretty much my, I guess it was the way my grandmother ran her household. Um, you were expected to dress. Like we got dressed to do everything, even if you were just going to the grocery store, <laughs> you, you, were, you were expected to put clothes on and present yourself properly, um, unless you wanted the wrath of my grandmother, Mary. So I think that that's probably where it started. And then I was an only child, so I was also really spoiled. So it's just, it was just an equation for a nightmare of a fashion monster kind of because I look back at the years in my childhood and teenage years and it was it it was overwhelming. Like when I think about how important 
fashion was as far as dressing myself um, compared to today. It's as an adult, it's more, while I'm still obviously very much um, into fashion, I actually don't even like shopping. So um, I was a completely different person and it was more, it was just an aggressive need to more so impress other people, you know, because obviously the the best way to show your lifestyle or, you know, what, where you come from can be from the way you dress. And I think that that was really important to me um, in school because I didn't have such a great um, family life, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was something that, you know, by being well-dressed and that fashion person in the school, you know, it, it always gave me the position of popularity um, in my teenage years. So I think that's what cultivated it. And then, you know, it just aggressively got um, more and more important. So I want, I want to, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I want to make sure I'm getting, I'm getting clarity. Did you want to dress that way? Or if you, you feel like you, you may have wanted to just wear whatever, because you know how Suitland was. We, we, like I said, we all wore the urban wear, jeans, right. t-shirts. Do you, are you saying you would have preferred to wear that or you did want to um, No, no, I was, it was, the way I dressed was definitely who I was, but I wouldn't say that I, how do I say this? I wouldn't say that it was my initial choice to be so into fashion. Oh. It's, you know, it was something that was a part of the culture of my family. And oh, it eventually, okay. it eventually became important to me. Um, and so, and then as you know, like in our school, we had so many different programs. We had kids from all different areas. And, um, you know, I was just in a circle where, you know, it's, pretty much everyone of my, the close friends I had, everyone was into fashion. And I just, you know, it's easy to gravitate into that when you already kind of have that persona, you're pulled into that world, whether you want to be a part of that um, school culture or not. So it kind of becomes who you are. But like I said, as an adult if at 40, I probably wouldn't have been maybe so ostentatious with fashion as I was, because that's kind of not who I am now. Hmm. Where, where did you grow up exactly? Because like you said, Suitland had so many different um, different students from different areas. Where did you grow up yeah. exactly? Well, so, you know, I was born in DC and I was raised in Silver Spring, Daltsville and Bowie. Oh, oh wow. So, so was you in Bowie when you was coming to Suitland? Did you yeah, I was yeah, I was bust in for remember I was visual and performing arts. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So um I was a dance major initially and then I actually got um removed from the dance program and um I'm really I'm brutally honest, so I'm just gonna tell the, the whole story here. So um I was removed from the dance program and I was um what do you call it when you remove a president? <laughs> I forget. Um, <laughs> what do you call it when you remove a president from office? 
I mean, the only term I know is impeach, but that's not really impeach, removed. right? So, but that's so more bringing was, up charges. That's not really removed. No, 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 no. So, I'm, I don't know if you remember, I was the president of SGA our, our freshman year. So, you know what? I don't, because I was, I was on see, the other, like I was on the right, other side of the building. Right. See, so there's layers to <laughs> to um, the the whole popularity kind of thing. It seems like you got me as this fashion person. I also like to be in the center, of, like in the forefront of things. So I ran for SGA freshman year because you know I there, uh, since elementary school. And because of the way I was raised, I've always had this need. Well, not a need because I always feel like I'm pushed into the center of attention. So in the ninth grade, I ran for SGA president and won, but um, I got impeached and I got, (laughs) (laughs) and I got, this was by the, uh, the, well, I didn't get, I didn't leave the dance program until sophomore year. But I got impeached from being the president because I got into a fight with um, uh, Derek Brooks, who was another dance major. And we got into a fight in our ninth period mod. And once SGA found out about that, I was impeached. And it was actually, it wasn't even that they found out. So um, my vice president was Terrence Spencer, who later became one of my best friends um, throughout high school but Terrence was my vice president and our when we ran for president it was very competitive Terrence is the one that got me impeached because he wanted the presidency (laughs) so so it was like the start of this tumultuous friendship of competition between Terrence and I throughout the four years of high school Um, and he probably may not even remember um, that but um, that was the beginning of our friendship, and you know, and so, and it was the beginning of you know, my crazy four years of that school. So, um, yeah, that's that. <laughs> when when did you know you were going to actually go into the um, into the fashion field? Uh, I did not know until I was seventeen. It was our junior year. Um, I actually was going to be a neurosurgeon. That's what I wanted to be my entire life. Wow. Um, you know, and so I was in IB and AP everything. I think when, I, I think I, the only reason you, I won't say the only reason, but the reason we know each other from high school, and that's not to say we wouldn't have known each other otherwise. I, I want to give background to that. I say that because we went to a school of 3,800 kids. Yeah. So it's very easy to go four years and not know someone yeah, so right. but we met because we had french together in our freshman year we had mr frederick um, no oh you know what I'm a, so um, I'm, i don't know if we i don't think we had any classes together i think we did i think we had mr frederick together second period ninth ninth grade no i can tell you i didn't, I didn't have that in french i was in um, cause i was it? in a i was in a totally different program in ninth grade Really? I th- yeah. did, which middle school did you go to? I went to um, Francis Scott Key. Right. So you're, I thought that's where we met because your whole class was Francis Scott. My whole class was Francis Scott Key kids. You so, went to Key? No, 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 no. My, my, my French class freshman year 
was filled with Francis Scott Key kids. Oh, but no, I can, I can tell you for sure. I, I wasn't, I didn't class. take any foreign language, not ninth so grade. So we never, so I wonder how we, how did we meet? I know your sister, Janet, which year did she graduate? Oh, we twins, we twins. Oh, right, I, so I knew your sister also. Um, I can't remember how I knew your sister, but um, anyways, I, I tend to sidetrack, so let me, we can go back to that later. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon, so, you know, I was in um, IB and AP everything, and, like, um, I got a three on the AP physics exam, but um, it was Sister Act 2. Um, you remember that movie with Whoopi Goldberg? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a scene in that movie when she, Sister Mary Clarence is talking to Rita, um, Lauren Hill's character, and she says to her, if you wake up every day and the first thing you think about is singing, then um, in her inflection, you're a singer, girl. And I will never forget applying that to myself, that when I woke up every day, the first thing I thought about was sketching and drawing and looking at fashion magazines so it was in, from that movie that I realized that I wanted to pursue design as my career although I had been drawing since uh, I'm a self-taught taught artist so I've been drawing since I was seven and initially I started with drawing mermaids and castles because I was obsessed with the movie Splash um, which came <laughs> out which came out in 1987 and um, it just metamorphed itself into just drawing women. And I, because I was so religious as a kid, my family was extremely religious. I would draw, my inspiration would be church women. So I would draw like the daughter, the mother and the grandmother. And I would um, basically um, do three versions of kind of the same outfit. Um, but for three different age groups. And so that's how I started. And then it just evolved up to when I was 17 and I decided, um, you know what, I think that this is the career path I'd like to take. And I went from there. Pretty what? much 17, sitting in, like I mentioned AP Physics because I'll, I'll never forget that, um, I forget the professor, the teacher's name, but I would sit in AP Physics um, sketching the entire time but then I would still get um A's on my exams so the teacher <laughs> reported me to Miss Allen thinking that I was cheating so um I'll, that's why it'll always be a vivid memory because I'll never forget when I went to Miss Allen and then Miss Gra they had Miss Graves in the office from our um our counselor I don't we had two counselors I think there was a yeah. guy in Miss Graves I don't know did you have Miss Graves or the I did I actually had Miss Graves yeah. so and I'll never forget that Miss Graves and Miss Allen were both in this meeting with my mother and they tried to and the teacher was convinced that I was cheating and it wasn't that it's just I've always had this um, strange ability to do a million things at once but receive all of the information that's coming from <laughs> both it. so I could I can sit and do something else but I can totally pay attention and listen to what's being taught um, and that still works to my benefit to this day some people don't like it because they think I'm not paying attention to them but um, I am so yeah so that's how I decided too so it was you can only imagine what it was like in my household when I told my mother I wasn't going to a pre-med sequence when 
and that I was going to design school. So she said she wasn't paying for it. <laughs> so, um, so I you went, know what? Uh, Let, let's go. Let's let's stop. Let, let's go there for a second, like, because that was a big decision for you. So, what was it like when you told your mother that you wasn't going to? Because I mean, I, I I got that part, but I wanted you to go a little more in depth. What was it like to right. to have to tell her that you wasn't going to follow that career path? You wanted to do fashion. Well, so I've never been a person that cared about what anyone thought um, about me or my decisions. And it's because, including my mother, because we, you know, we didn't have the greatest relationship. Um, mm. And I've only realized how deep that statement is and what it meant for my life as a teenager and as a child, because, um, you know, my mother wasn't a very good mother. So she would, it was, I was spoiled by things like material things, but I wasn't, I wasn't spoiled by parental love. So oh. we didn't, we didn't have that kind of connection where, you know, I was afraid, but as you know, in the black community in general, we don't really have the highest regard for art professions. And hopefully that's something that we're working on changing. Um, we'll talk about that later with some of the things that I'm doing, but okay. So, my because of the relationship with my mother, it was it was never really of you know a discussion. Like whenever there was something that needed to be communicated that one wouldn't like what's being shared, it was never really a conversation. It's more of a of an of an abrasive. I'm telling you. So, you know, for me, it's like, and, and usually it happened in the midst of an argument. So it was like, like, I would tell my mom things she didn't want to hear in the midst of arguments because it was like my way of winning the argument. Because it, <laughs> I, would, I would say something with such shock value that it would piss her off so much that she would no longer want to engage the conversation. So it went more so like, blah, 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 we're arguing, and okay, whatever, who cares? That's why I'm going to design school, and you won't have, um, you won't be able to brag to your friends that you, your son is a doctor, you know? So it was, it was something more like that. Like, that, that's generally how um, I told my mother a lot of things that were um, important in my life. Um, and then, so, to take back power, because it was, a, we, we just had a constant, battle for control in our relationship my whole life so her response was i don't you know i don't give a f what you're doing but i won't pay for it you know that was my mom's answer to everything mm. that she wouldn't pay for it um it's because you know our um money was very important in our relationship um because there was access to it um I won't go into the details of that, but yeah, 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 yeah. we'll just we'll just we'll just we'll just say that my family was very successful um, with some um, illegal um, activity. Oh so, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We're not you, gonna talk about that. Know, <laughs> if you know, if you know what I mean. But I'm very just in my adult life, I've become very um, open with you know discussing the things that I experienced as a child and. Um, you know, the questions always come up because, you know, when people see things in your adult life and they're like, you know, because um, we're talking about fashion here, my love of fashion and then, you know, people are, when you're black and you're 
a child and you're you're able to shop at places like Saks Fifth Avenue. So people want to know how, because you know that's not normal in this country for you know black people to have access to have access to a different socioeconomic status um, than what's perceived that we're all from. So, yeah. um, so I just in my adult life, I I have become okay with the fact that my family was uh, participated in illicit activities mm. you know so yeah. um i you know and that's something that i think that being from dc and i'm sure you would you would agree with me that being from dc we're just taught to be very proud of being black so it's like running around and sugarcoating anything about my past is just not whether it's something that people may approve of or not approve of, that's just not a part of my personality. I'm like, you know, I, I live with the cards I was dealt. I didn't participate in any um, of that stuff, but I'm not going to be ashamed that I benefited from them. Right, right. You know, I'm going to move the conversation because I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> yeah, 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 where'd, for sure. Where'd you, end up, where'd you end up going to school? I went to Marymount University in Arlington. So I initially was um, going to New York for design school, but in my final decisions for um, university, education was still very important to me. So I wasn't certain that I wanted to go to, because um, I, I was accepted to FIT in New York at the Fashion Institute of Technology, which is um, arguably number one and two school in the industry um, in comp competition with Parsons, which is also in New York. So I was slated to go there, but while, you know, I've got this outgoing personality or, you know, that people think that I have, I'm also extremely conservative and sheltered in a way. So I wasn't ready to leave DC. Like, I mean, New York was a very scary place still for me. I'd been there a few times, but it was, a, it was still very intimidating to me as an 18 year old. And also I felt like I wanted to have a liberal arts education, mm -hmm. um, which is what Marymount provided in addition to having um, a fashion design program, um, which is in the industry considered, uh, you know, it's a top 10 school, but most people are like, wait, but you chose that instead of FIT. And I did because I wasn't, I, I just wasn't ready um, mentally. I wasn't in the right mental space to be away from everything that was home and familiar to me. So I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna be honest. I'm I'm surprised to hear you say that because you because you mentioned that the relationship you had with your with your mother and then the fact that again like we wasn't let's be clear I mean we you know we knew each other we were we we right. knew each other somewhat but I but you were one of the <laughs> you know you were in the government the school government stuff like that so you were more known so to hear you say you wasn't ready for New York especially with the personality you got yeah that 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 threw me for a loop. Yeah, because like I said earlier, I mean, a lot of my personality was a facade. Oh, you know, and I've, oh. only, I've only come to realize that as an adult through many years of therapy, 
um, that the person that I was, and I was, I wasn't a nice person at all. Um, you know, people liked me and I liked people, but I was not, you know, my, my inner circle always thought that I would, remember that show, Jenny Jones? The talk show? <laughs> but, and remember, she was famous for bringing people back from high school to confront people to terrorize them. Oh, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> my inner circle always thought that there were going to be people that, like, obviously, if Jenny Jones were still around, they thought that there would be people that would bring me back because I was in high school. And, you know, it's only as an adult that I realized because of the um, abusive mentally and physically relationship that I had at home, I was, I took that and I switched it around and behaved that way verbally and mentally to people at school. Um, and then on top of that, the, the extroverted personality that I had in high school. Um, not to say that I'm not an extrovert. I am I'm definitely an outgoing person, but I don't seek the attention that I sought in high school. In high school, okay. there, was a need, there was a need to be the center of attention. There was a need to be po extremely popular. Whereas the person I am now at 40 and the person that I've been probably for the past, I'd say, 10 years is when I, 10, when I turned 30 was when I really, really um, took stock of myself and assessed who I was, what I'd experienced, and the person I wanted to be going forward. And had I had that type of revelation um, in my teenage years, which none of us do, um, of course not, I right. would I would have definitely have been, not to say that I might not have been popular, but I would have been a much kinder person and yeah. a much friendlier person because I associated being popular with being mean to people, you know, and that's not something that I'm proud of. Um, have you ever, have you had a chance to like reach back to any of those people that you feel like, you know, that you didn't you know, have I the best relationships? I think that the great thing about social media and also the great thing about being adults is that I don't feel like people really hold those type of grudges. I think that as we mature in adulthood, we realize to fault someone for behaviors that might not have been as pleasant when you're a teenager might be a little ridiculous when you're 30 or 40 harboring ill will because at the end of the day, you were teenagers. You, 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 it wasn't your responsibility to make the best decisions in life, you know, right, at that right. time. I will say that there is one person, and I won't mention their name because I'm not sure if they would want their business out that way. But there is one person who I did connect with on Facebook who we weren't enemies, but we also weren't friends. And that person, she did harbor um, resentment um, for the way I behaved with her in high school. And we discussed it like adults over social media. And we're just like, you know, it's, it takes too much energy to harbor ill will for someone that you don't really know as a person. It's like, yeah. you know, we're, we're on social media. We share all of these friends because we went to high school. We're also both in LA. We're both, we're creative people. It's like, if I see you out on the street or at an event, it's like, 
it's more important to have um, a decent rapport with you because we're from home, you know? Right, and right. I've always, especially being in New York, being from Visual and Performing Arts Program, you can imagine that being in New York or even LA, it's like a second home in a way because there are a lot of Suitland High School graduates um, in these two cities. So, mm. you know, it's, it, it's one of the things that reminds you of home because especially for someone like me that doesn't go back, uh, get to go back so very often, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so to answer your question, yes. We're gonna fast forward a little bit. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into the um to your women's wear design your position as a women's wear design director. What made you choose women's wear? Um well it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about me not really liking to shop. I love <laughs> menswear. I love menswear as it applies to me and my style, but I have zero interest in the development of menswear. I've always, I just, I love the female body. I love dressing the female body. I love um, how adventurous you can be with female fashion. Not to say that you can't be adventurous with menswear, but as a man, I don't. No, as, I, I know exactly man, what you're saying because yeah, men do not take myself, chances with fashion. Nah. Right. And, the one, and I'm actually not. I'm actually not really one of them that does, and people would think that I am because I'm a fashion designer. But you know, my my fashion today is still the same fashion I had 20 years ago. You know, I have a very specific style. I prefer to wear a flared leg to wide leg pant with a sweater that or knitwear um, top that has something interesting going on. So I'm not really. I have a very specific style. I'm. It doesn't change. Um, it's very easy to shop for me. Um, <laughs> and, but for women, I just, I, I also have a very specific um, design direction of what I like, although I've had a very versatile career and I've designed for brands that have many different design aesthetics. But my personal design aesthetic, when, um, when I have more control of design direction or eventually once I have my own collection is a very specific feminine um, woman that loves to wear dresses and skirts and high heels. Um, so, but yeah, menswear has just never, I've overseen menswear as head of design before, but I just, the art of actually designing and developing menswear has just never interested me. Um, I do like, the, I do like tailored suiting, like to watch um, bespoke or um, Savile Row um, quality um, suiting that, you know, it's the hardest thing. A menswear bespoke blazer is the hardest thing to make um, in garment development. And so watching the process of a bespoke blazer going from sketch to finished garment, that is amazing to me. I can watch a video of that all day, but having the interest in doing it myself, I'm just, it's zero. It's absolutely zero. We mentioned that you, you know, you've actually traveled internationally, um, China. Uh, I, I think you mentioned India, correct? Yeah, I've lived in China and I've lived in India, but I've traveled um, 
to Europe, Asia, Australia for work, and obviously all over the U.S. Um, then personally, I've been to um, every continent except for Antarctica and South America. But wow, so. what is it? What is it like? Is is there a difference um, in fashion as you travel the world? Absolutely. Um, America is the U.S. I wouldn't even say America because Canadians. Well, no, I'd say America because Canadians are pretty close to American. Um, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it, they always tell when people ask me this. I always tell them there's this documentary on Netflix called The American Factory, and it's a the documentary is about a Chinese company buying a factory in Ohio, basically to bring manufacturing jobs back to U.S. So initially, they send over Chinese employees that are going to work and train the American um, employees. And so they, they're speaking in Mandarin a lot of times, but it's like they forget that a camera is following them. And so they're in a meeting at one point, and the guy is describing, he's trying to describe Americans to them. So he goes, you know how when you're in, if you're in Europe on vacation, and you see that guy with a big... Um, oversized t-shirt, bad fit shorts, and flip-flops. That's an American. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and the sad thing is that, you know, while all stereotypes aren't true, that's one of them that is true. Um, not that all Americans dress that way, but, the, you know, our country has become a place that's about comfort over appropriation. I mean, appropriateness. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but you go to Europe or you go to Asia where, like, you go to China especially, or I would not even, if you go to Hong Kong, Hong Kong is literally a city that is a fashion show. Mm. You know, from, from your lowest socioeconomic status to your uber wealthy. I mean, it's literally a fashion show. So, and you know, there's cities in Europe that are the same way, but um, like, for instance, when you go to Paris, like everyone, you, you would think that when you go to Paris, you're seeing people walking down the street in couture. And that's not true. But people are well put together. Pa Paris is a very understated city where the average person, they dress well. You know, but it's a, it's a, it's a casual and conservative ease of um, style. The UK is a little more edgy in general. And then when you go to, you know, Italy, you're going to say that they're, they're just really chic, they're, the way that they dress. Um, but in Asia, I mean, they, they get dressed to go everywhere. So mm. it's like you'll, you'll rarely ever see. Now, people have some weird style in China and then some of the other Asian um, countries. But the notion of walking around in, you know, sweatsuits or running errands in pajamas in Asia, that's just unheard of. Um, it's inappropriate and, you know, I mean, you'll get scoffed at and given the stank eye by people. <laughs> like when, like you can always, people always say in these countries, you can always tell an American because, you know, we have that comfort versus appropriate sensibility, which is strange because, you know, we used to be a country that um, dressed for everything, you know, and that, like I said, that's how my grandmother's household was. But yeah. um, I'm sure you remember when we were younger, um, you got dressed to go to the movies. Whereas yeah. now you go to the movies in your PJs. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> well, I don't know about yeah. that, bro. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm saying some people, especially, I mean, I'm sure you especially notice it in California where, I mean. You know, the, okay, you know what's crazy? I haven't, so, I got, okay, so we got here in December. Um, oh, you just moved here. Okay. Yeah, so we really didn't get a chance to experience it because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll say I'll say for myself, you know, there are elements to my wardrobe that never existed because <laughs> of moving to Los Angeles. Um, I have I have my wardrobe as a whole, but I have things that I will only wear in Los Angeles. Like I didn't buy sweatpants or like I didn't really like I have probably five pairs of sneakers. Well actually I think I have more. I might have six to eight pairs of sneakers. I'm not a person that wears sneakers, but I wear them in LA. Oh like, I don't I've never I've never been a person that really dresses casually. As you said, I I I was always dressed. Yeah, and in high school, <laughs> and that's and I've always taken fashion seriously in that way. So, but when you the 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 attitude in LA is so the environment is so relaxed and casual. You know, it's it was hip, it's hippieville, but you know it's more modern now. So it's like you you can't not adapt and adopt some of that into your characteristics, um, no matter where you're from. And so there's sometimes I'll look in my closet and I'll just think like, wow, I can't believe I have that. Because it's just, because I don't identify, you know, I don't identify with that person. Um, even to this day, like I, it took me, it took me five years to change, uh, no, I'm sorry. I've been here for seven years. It took me five years to change my phone number from a New York number, because I was just, I'm not an LA person. I'm never gonna be an LA person. But at some point you have to recognize, okay, maybe I'm an LA person. No, I'm not changing mine. My number's staying the same. (laughs) um, Is there a particular um, region in the the world that that, that influenced you the most, like Asia or, you know? Um, My favorite two cities in the world, are Hong Kong and Paris, and it fluctuates which one is my favorite. I, it depends on which one I'm going to more, I guess. Those are, I, I love those two places um, for, for different reasons. Um, obviously, New York is where my heart is because that's where the majority of my adult life um, has been, so I consider myself a New Yorker as an adult, but um, Hong Kong is definitely... From living in Asia, I just fell in love with it, you know, and the reason, and it's more so, it's more so um, racially, like going, living in Asia, especially Hong Kong and mainland China, my experience as a black man has, was, is better. Really? I feel I'm more comfortable living life. Um, I don't have. I don't have the fear um, every day that I have as a black male in America. And most people are like, really? Are you? Because, yeah, you, know, I, yeah, the you just heard me. Wow. Okay, the, because the first thing they think is, wait, but, you know, Asians are quite 
racist towards us um, also, even though they benefit from all the things that we fight for and <laughs> achieve. But, you know, that's another story. But, um, yeah, because when you go there, you know, I'm American first. So, uh. you know, it's like, that's where, it's like, you know, in the country that we're born and, ra and raised in, that are, we have citizenship in, you know, we're second class citizens, sometimes third class. But when we go to other places, especially to Asian countries, that works to our benefit that we're Americans. You know, wow. we're treated better. We're treated better. Um, whereas, you know, our African brothers and sisters might not receive that same treatment because they're looked down upon. Whereas as Americans, we're treated like gods in these countries because, you know, while we know that this is a shitty country, these, you know, the perception of our country is still that this is the best place in the world. So you're treated as a person that comes from the best place in the world. And that just gives you such a better experience just as a Black person, especially a Black man. And it's like, why, why come, why, why live here when you can be there? So I'm always on a never-ending um search to return to asia but wow. i always end up getting another great position in the u.s but ideally i would um i would live permanently in asia wow i yeah you, you definitely threw me full <laughs> with that one <laughs> i was not expecting that i'm a, i want to end it on this note because i think this is very important because me and you talk offline before we did the podcast and I wanted to make sure the, the last thing people hear is that you are working on your own brand. So what can um, we, so, go ahead. So that's, so that's um, all, the ultimate goal. So obviously I've worked for, I've worked for large corporations um, as head of Women's Fair um, and I've worked for small companies where I've launched three brands. Uh, most recently I launched a brand called Picket Back in what is it? What is it again? Um, called Picket. Picket, like a picket fence. Mm -hmm. um, it was a brand called Picket for Jennifer Picket. She was the wife of Ryan Picket, who was um, a linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers. Sorry, the sounds okay. of downtown LA are um, are getting to. Are you fine? So. Um, so yeah, so that was the last time that I launched the brand and it was really a proud moment because um, it was, they're Black. So it was the first time I was able to um, work for a Black-owned company. Um, and in that capacity, I launched the brand and the company for them. So it's always been a passion of mine to start my own collection, but I'm, I was, I'm a firm believer that working your way through an industry and gaining all of the experience that I've gained over the 19 years I've been in the industry are really important to launch um, a, a real viable brand. You know, I don't want to create a brand that's going to be gone in five years. I'd like to create a brand, build it slowly, and something that's going to potentially create a Black legacy that's going to give opportunities to Black creatives. Um, in the fashion industry and, you know, be a resource for equity in this industry that is extremely racist. Um, so mm. 
Um, I am going to be eventually, you know, um, I'm actually, I've just started a new role here in LA because I've actually, my, I, my husband and I were leaving. Um, our plan was to leave LA because, um, you know, in this country, there are two cities, New York and LA, that are, sorry about that, some person, some asshole is with a motorcycle. <laughs> um, but um, you know in this country New York and LA are really where um, our central focuses are for the fashion industry so to do an active job search you need to be in one of those cities although there are corporate headquarters for large corporations in different cities around the country but if viable job searches you need to be living in LA or New York so um I was, we were going to return to New York because, you know, the, there are two different markets and, you know, my design direction and aesthetic is more for the New York companies. And I was here for a specific company and ended up being here obviously now for seven years and I've worked for three other companies in LA. Um, so we were on the verge of relocating back. I was also contemplating, and this is still something I'm contemplating, of returning to DC and launching my company because as a designer, I can have my, my headquarters anywhere, um, mm -hmm. you know, as a legitimate industry designer. But the um, benefit of possibly returning to DC is because I'm right there. I'm close to New York. So I can, yeah. I can develop and operate my collection and have it represented in New York. But I've always had this um, secret desire to kind of go back to DC and be like the hometown, like bring that fashion credence to um, DC and be like a, a, a real industry designer with my headquarters there. And designers do that all the time return to like their home base or their family yeah. base and launch their company. You know, people in professional industry, all different types of professional industries do that all the time. So that's something that's um, I've been pondering um, also. But so yeah, so I'm going to eventually launch my own collection. I'm doing, I have this idea for one, obviously I'm going to eventually have my William Taswell collection, which will be um, a luxury brand. But I want to do, because of the career I've had, I've designed everything from value price point all the way to luxury price point. So by having that versatile career, I've always wanted to do one collection that has different tiers of price points that focuses on a very specific category, but I want to offer different price points. So I don't want to go into too, deep, too much detail, but I have a... Um, I have a plan to do a collection that has, it's, the, it's, it's pretty much the same category, but there's a $98 tier, there's a $298 tier, and then there's a $598 tier. Um, obviously it's women's wear, um, but that's what I'm gonna be working on over the next year. Um, and hopefully, I mean, it'll, be successful and I mean everyone will hear about it um but yeah so that's always been a lifetime goal but I've all, I've been very complacent working for 
other companies and not having my name on the door because you know that's a lot of risk that you have to you have to be ready for because I'd like to do it self-financed especially mm-hmm. in the beginning stages because I've always been afraid of not owning my name Wait. because a <clears throat> lot of designers sell majority interests of their companies and then they end up not legally being able to use the rights of their own name and wow. that's always been a huge fear of mine well, look, I want to thank you, man, for doing this. It's, it's been, a, it's truly been an honor talking to you after all these years. And I want to congratulate you on the success you have. And I'm not surprised because I saw that I saw you in high school and I saw how dedicated you were to what you were doing. So while I'm not surprised at the success you're having, I'm, I'm really happy to see that you're having it. And I want to congratulate you on it. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's, social media is such a great way to keep us all connected and in touch because high school is a moment that none of us will ever forget yeah. you know we're always going to have that bond and so that you know that those years that we spend together no matter how how much we may have known one another it creates a familial bond that when you asked me to do that i'm like it was it was a it's a no-brainer to say yes to it because it's like if you can agree to do things or have conversations with strangers, then the easiest thing is to have conversations with people that actually know the person that you are before you know the world changes you. Uh, <laughs> so that's why that's why it was it was important for me to obviously say yes because um, it's the connection to DC, to DC that I'll never I never want to lose um, because we walk through this world as black people but you know we're a different type of black people from dc and (laughs) um it's important to remind for me to remind myself of how great that city is and that region is and the amazing people that i grew up with because we don't meet people like that like i mean i'm sure you feel the same way we don't meet black people like us Nah. anywhere else nope. in this country um everyone's like atlanta <laughs> yeah everyone's like atlanta's everyone always asks me don't you like atlanta i'm like well it's different i'm like atlanta's entertainment money dc is educated money people b- p- black families that have passed down wealth it's a place where you can achieve wealth without have, being a rapper or an actor or you know what i mean i'm like that's yep. the great thing about dc you can create a successful life as a black person just by having a normal life and you know doing having this conversation with you reminds me of that so thank you for that hey man it's been an honor pleasure you want to tell people how they can follow you um yeah i can be followed on instagram william taswell three i don't do private profiles i'm just i've never been that kind of person i'm an open (laughs) book so the easiest way to follow me or anything is instagram william caswell three or twitter wgt three eyes because i'm the third so william george taswell the third so twitter i think it's wgt iii and then instagram it's william caswell three facebook okay. is just for family family and friends from high school yeah. and college yeah. so <laughs> i don't get that out well, um, again, <laughs> <laughs> well again i really appreciate you doing this man thank you so much and all the best because i know you got a lot of great things ahead and i'm excited to see it 
Thank you so much, James. I appreciate it. And I'll keep in touch on social media. Hold on for a second. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. And you can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. Thank you again. You all have a great day.